Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? Comics and Pop Culture Podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress that is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Here is episode 203, with Graham McMillan and I discussing Wonder Woman Earth One by Grant Morrison and Yannick Paquette, The Fix by Steve Lieber and Nick Spencer, The Brave and the Bold, Girl Over Paris, Jupiter's Legacy by Mark Miller and Frank Quitely, Jughead, Judge Dredd, My Poor Spending Choices, and much, much more. Show notes are available at waitwhatpodcast.com. We welcome your comments and questions at waitwhatpodcast at gmail.com. And we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy. And thank you for listening. Jeff Lester. Graham McMillan, hello. Hello, how are you doing? I'm, um, I'm okay, yes. Yes, I am. I'm glad you asked. And how are you? I am super sleepy. I just have to tell you that right now. Oh. Kate and I were just having a conversation about how both of us felt like we could fall asleep right now. And it's, for the one that's listening, it's not even 7 o'clock yet. You know, what's weird is maybe there's just some of that going around because that was the ongoing topic of conversation about an hour ago when my wife and I were having dinner. It was just like, oh my god, we are so tired. Uh... You know, she didn't, for whatever reason, she had one of those nights where she was up from about 3.30 on or so. Oh, well, so she yeah. has very good reason to be tired. Exactly. I don't really have much of a reason. I, you know, I got to sleep in till 7 a.m. And then, I mean, we did go for a six-mile run today, which was kind of really honestly awesome. But, oh, but then I sat around all day reading comic books while Edie went out and ran chores, which literally involved, like walking another two and a half miles. So. Well, you see, I've, I've had a day where I've been doing, like, errands and, and lifting shit and, and exerting myself physically, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, put this way, I wasn't lying around reading comics. It's, oh, what, wow. What sort of, I thought you... I, the one person I thought would have my back. It's like, <laughs> buy my Macmillan Betrayed, I tell you. Uh, but no, I, but I, I don't think that's got anything to do with me being sleepy. I think I'm just, like, weirdly sleepy. It happens. That, 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 so that. what we're saying, whatnots, is this might be a weirdly low-powered. Yeah, maybe. Although I finally sat my ass down and read Wonder Woman Earth One Volume One by Grant Morrison and uh, Yannick Paquette. And uh, no, that's a funny thing. This is like two months old, and for me, it seems like a year ago. Oh, I know because I'm you're. Like, I remember that. Yes, I, I read it on the bus to, to Emerald City, yeah. which is really two months ago. Oh, was it two months ago? I thought you read it before. I thought the whole thing about I, this I, copy I, of Wonder I, Woman is is that it it had been I, circulating I, reviewer I, copies. Yeah, yeah. I, I just hadn't read it until then. Like I had I to see. Talk, just didn't read it. Got it. Okay. Well, uh, uh, yeah, that didn't work, did it? Uh, seems to be. I loved it. Did you? Yeah, I really did. And here's the funny thing: it's so long ago, I could not like give you specific points, mm-hmm. but I could tell you that like when I finished it, I was like, oh, I really like that, and I want to read more. Hmm. I thought it was kind of disappointing and generic, uh, on, uh, certainly on the story front. And then when it got to the storytelling, I really felt like, oh, this is a book that has been gestating for a while. Because I really felt that for the most part, uh, Yannick Paquette made a decision to tell it like each each page has its own is is designed for the page. Like, I think he spent a lot of time. So each page on its own is actually very uh, dynamic and 
fascinating and you know he uses all those various um frameworks uh literally for the flashbacks and the the far flashbacks and then to be able to jump it forward and so he's got like you know the fates weaving things during the trial process and then you've got other periods where it's like people being chained and even when not there's all the you know all the panels are set to you know have these sort of convex curves to them and things and uh it just ended up to me um each the pages there was just too much of it it just it just clashed and i just ended up i was kind of surprised by how cold it left me you know there was there was a little bit of some stuff that i liked uh frankly um just just mere hints of sort of the morrison meta but frankly like i don't know do you do you remember when wonder woman sort of pops up um i want to say towards the end of final crisis oh no i think maybe it's at the end of uh the return of bruce wayne and she's like you know, Batman is going through all this stuff and he's got the suit that, you know, has attached itself to him. He's, they literally have to perform this ritual exorcism at the end of the end of time and space in order to separate, um, Batman from the, the plague trap or whatever it is that dark side has, is set upon him. And Wonder Woman steps forward and is like, you were trapped in a story. Like, I, I know how these things work. Like, gods only work in, like, metaphors and symbols, and you are caught. And it was just a really interesting take of, in, of Wonder Woman as kind of this person who understands this sort of higher meta consciousness, but also a very fun, way, Morrisonian way of, like, oh, here's how the gods act. You know, mm-hmm. interestingly mm-hmm. enough, I, I did tell you, right, my theory about Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, that the dark side is basically behind the scenes of the entire movie, more or less influencing people through dreams and visions. Um, you did not tell me that, but I think that uh, makes a lot of sense considering all the other stuff that's going on in the film. Right. So, so you know, the idea of actually, you know... Um, Snyder in his own sort of inimitable meat-headed way, kind of getting back to that idea of gods being these, uh, the influences of our, of our thoughts by being able to control our dreams and unconscious desires sort of, or, or, or create I, them and channel them. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if I told you my idea about what was going on in Batman versus Superman, but that it was leading into the final crisis conceit that the, uh, Darkseid and the other people from Apocalypse are being reborn inside humans in the same way that Final Crisis app had them mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you didn't I, tell I, me that. I, that's interesting. Yeah, I think that's going on as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I think both of those are, are uh, parallel ideas almost. Yeah, I think so. Because I, I don't think it's where they're going with the film, especially with the stuff that was revealed from all the ridiculous number of set visit reports that came online this week. Uh, <laughs> They, they like they had specific things that they were talking about where I was like, oh, that's definitely a take on the fourth world stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, Justice League is apparently a fourth world movie from everything that I've read. Uh-huh. Um, I, I haven't read anything, so... Okay, short is... version. There's going to be three mother boxes. The mother boxes are going to have been created by the old gods mm-hmm. uh, and hidden on Earth. Mm-hmm. 
uh, from Darkseid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to have been hidden with humanity, the Amazons, and the Atlanteans. Mm. Which is how you're going to get the various characters mm-hmm. uh, teaming up. Uh, and Steppenwolf is going to be the bad guy, not Darkseid. Right. Uh, because he is the one hunting for the mother boxes on Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've already seen like at least one mother box in, in Batman vs. Superman. That's right. Three if you're watching the, the Extended Cup. Oh, yeah? There's a, a scene with Steppenwolf in the Extended Cup. Oh, yes. I'm sorry. I did. I do remember the scene, the Steppenwolf uh, cut yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So. And he has all three mother boxes there. Oh, that's what those things are. Right. Got it. Okay. Um, yeah, I noticed that actually when just sort of rewatching the thing at the time. Well, and it wouldn't surprise me. I feel that, you know, Man of Steel had moments that, that suggested that Snyder was familiar with Morrison's material, certainly for All-Star Superman. It wouldn't surprise me if he also had some stuff and ideas from where he wants to go based on some of the stuff from Final Crisis. Because, you know, it, that does make sense to me. Uh, all that said, Wonder Woman in this one is kind of, part of it is, I don't know, part of it is just that idea of, I really wish I could have made it to the store this week because I wanted to pick up Wonder Woman number one because I read a little bit of Rucka's preview and I was like, oh, the the idea that she, that Wonder Woman is stuck in uh, basically a, a storyteller who's trying to create stories and change her reality to keep her from discovering things or keeping her off guard was, I, I, I was like, Oh, that's I thought, I, you it, know me, I'm a sucker a, for the meta. It's a very so. Wonder Woman is a really frustrating book right now, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's, there's great ideas there. Mm-hmm. And in both the rebirth issue and the first issue, there's significant ways in which Rucka and uh, actually everyone involved in the book undercut their own ideas. Mm-hmm. So, the, for example, the first issue, or, or the one we're talking about, which is the second issue, but issue one, um, is the, the pacing is just terrible. Mm. Uh, and the amount of stuff that actually happens in the issue mm-hmm. is very lacking. Yeah, that's, uh, and, yeah. It, and it all happens outside of Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. It's like Wonder Woman's form- forward progress in issue one mm-hmm. is minimal. And there's a lot of time spent on here's Etta Candy, here's Steve Trevor. Um, but ultimately what Wonder Woman does in issue one is, you know, she fights some creatures and then gets jumped by the cheetah, the end. Mm-hmm. Which just doesn't feel like enough, you know? I really like the concept, like you're talking about, the, the idea that like someone is rewriting Wonder Woman's story. Mm-hmm. You know, and that she is aware of this. Mm-hmm. And so she is, she is trying to find out, A, what is my story? And B, who is responsible for rewriting my story? That's a great idea. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, but, solid but we're idea. Now, we're now two issues into the storyline. Well, and yeah. Almost nothing has happened. You know, I'm... And part of, the, part of the problem is the rebirth issues... See, almost that's it. Board, ...have been like weird. I don't... They all feel like they have, were created after the first issue. Right. And they all feel like they're killing time or doing setup in like the worst way possible. Yeah. Like the, have you read Batman issue one? No, uh, no. Batman issue one feels like a different series from Batman rebirth. Mm-hmm. Superman issue one feels like a different series from Superman rebirth. Mm-hmm. Like 
significantly different series. Batman issue one is miles away from Batman Rebirth. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen people talking about it online, so like you know what the gimmick is for the issue, right? Uh, for Batman number one, yeah, uh, yeah, the uh, the the terrorists and the plane, and I, I definitely there was some point where I think I read your capsule review of Batman number one that sounded way more Bob Haney-ish than I it's was expecting. It's completely Bob Haney-ish. Yeah. Batman stands on top of a, a jet that's about to crash mm-hmm. and steers it with reins and jet engines attached underneath the wings <laughs> so that he can steer it through the skyscraper so it doesn't hit anything. <laughs> yeah, that sounded pretty like, great. That's, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. But also, you read Rebirth, right? Batman mm-hmm. Rebirth? That's um, yeah. all. Yeah. This, the Snyder King issue. Mm-hmm. You would not expect issue one from reading that issue. Yes. And the same with Superman issue one. Superman issue one is this weird, like, you know, here, Lana, I'm Superman from another world, but I won't really explain that. I once fought Doomsday. Did you know that? Maybe this guy's going to come back alive as well. No, he won't. Oh, dear. And then you get Superman issue one. It's told from the point of view of this kid, and it's a horror story. Yeah, you've said that. Which which does sound, I gotta like, admit. Superman, yeah. Superman's kid accidentally incinerates the family pet. Can't tell you can't tell anyone. Sees Batman uh, Superman talking to Batman and Wonder Woman, is terrified by all of them, and it ends up with Superman appearing at his bedroom door being like, You're coming with me and it's the scariest fucking thing. Mm-hmm. And that's a great like that's a great take on the whole thing. And it's nothing like Superman Rebirth. Now, Wonder Woman Rebirth at least feels like the same book. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that is you're now two issues into the series, and there is almost no forward motion. Right. Well, because because I do wonder the extent to which those rebirths are supposed to be. You know, I, I again, I think it just ends up operating as a strike against for a lot of this stuff, which is kind of a. It really does. Yeah, kind of, kind of a shame. Oh, just to return briefly, there are things that I really I did like about Wonder Woman Earth One. Uh, more from the way that Morrison, some of the things that Morrison does, he plays with, it's it's a Shakespearean structure, you know, like literally right down to having the fates be, provide chorus-like um, commentary. There's a lot of uh, rhyme, you know, the odd rhyming couplet that drops in there. You know, I don't, I don't want to think that it's all iambic pentameter but there's there's some stuff where there's a definitely an attention being paid to the 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 meter of the characters i was like oh this is that's cool i'm done with this and of course seeing at a candy the thing that sort of bummed me was i a lot of her stuff kind of got spoiled for me which is not surprising considering the book has been out forever uh but but i did just kind of be like oh this didn't really tickle my fancy as much as I thought it would. And there were, and there were also parts where, you know, a good chunk of the book revolves around, uh, to, to take care, take out Steve Trevor, um, Queen Hippolyta unleashes, uh, the Gorgon. And it was, that was lovely, but it would also, and had some great scenes with people avoiding their eyes or whatever. But I was also like, wow, but this is straight from, I remember these issues in Rucka's run and enjoying them. You know, it was just kind Mm -hmm. of, uh, I I wish I'd read it more recently Mm -hmm. because I, I do remember liking a lot of that, but also I remember liking the book more. 
And I, I feel like I can't be like, oh yeah, but what about? Because I honestly don't remember. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? So part of me is like, but no, it's better, Jeff. I can't tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Well, well, you can definitely. It's better than that. We can come yes. back to it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hey, so my original Brexit book that I was going to talk about was, uh, directly related to Brexit since, uh, Mark Miller, for whatever reason, um, dropped oh, <laughs> the free. Well, I won't, I don't want to talk about his political stuff because I think that will drive us both crazy, but I did want to say I picked up the free copy of Jupiter's Legacy that he put on Comixology for, Oh, that's right. That, yeah. So because he was because he sold the no. He's got a scriptwriter on the movie. Is that why he did it? Uh, I don't. I'm not sure. I I, I I think that was the official reason. Oh, was okay. Okay. So um. So yeah. So it was like oh well we're dropping this and I was like okay it's for me it was like I I can't like I can't look away. I, I you know what it is I couldn't turn down that much Frank Whiteley art for free. You know I really I, had. It's, it's a good point. You and know, some of the art's lovely. Oh, some of the art is so gorgeous. And, and some of the big superhero moments that go on to happen in the book happen because land, because quietly really just has such that wonderful sense of scale and timing and pitch that's just. I, I, part, part of what I really love about his work in that book, but also his work in, in All Star Superman is that, um, Quietly is the rare artist who manages to do realistic superheroes, mm-hmm. not in a photorealism way, but in a way that you feel that there is a sense of physics. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that, that's what really works for me. He, he can, he is so able to draw, um, things with a sense of scale and a sense of weight to them that even if the, even if, yeah, there's no way that particular thing makes sense. Um, you know, the scene where like a train gets teleported out of nowhere to plow through dozens of, of, uh, super soldiers or whatever is just, it's, it's startlingly effective because of, because of just how, how grounded it all feels. But holy shit, Jupiter's legacy is what a turd of a scripted book that is. Holy cow. I, the idea that, that Miller is like, I've got it. Like he sat up in the dead of night or I don't know, you know, I, you never played Dungeons and Dragons, Graham. I know, but I, I didn't. I'm sorry. You know, there's the, in the dungeon master's guide, there's a whole bunch of great sections where you can sort of, uh, randomly generate your own adv- adventures. You know, if you're one of those like lonely nebbishy kids like me stuck out in the middle of nowhere and it's like uh, no one to play with no one will play with me sit down you roll the dice and there's just millions and millions of charts you know and so it's that idea of like okay you're facing a batch of you know roll for the personality it's rabid you know roll for the creature badgers you know or however it turns out just the fact that mark miller like kept hitting the little buttons on his script create generating machine until it, until like watchmen came up on one wheel and um uh the incredibles came up on the other and he's like that's it this is it i've got my super family but it'll be generations of super family and it'll be like watchmen and i can jump back and forth in the future and it'll be great because it'll all be about politics and let me tell you considering how much this guy talks about how you know europe is falling apart and the world has to be saved from itself you know in the first part of the book and i'm like oh yeah but 
you're never going to stick with that, are you, Mark Miller? And of course, it's the ideas that the um, the guy who thinks that you know he can fix everything defeats Mister, you know, let's support the status quo, and then the whole world goes to shit. Uh, I, I I was like, yeah, it it's a ama- it's amazing how Miller can create stuff that is ostensibly personal work for him that feels like just tired by the numbers hackery. I don't even think that he's aware the extent to which his characters don't, I mean, his, his character, these characters are flat even by kick-ass standards. So it's kind of, (laughs) it's a, it's, it's a little alarming. And the only thing that you've got going for it is that, that quietly is able to communicate so much, at least about, at least about the current generation of heroes, you know, I, I don't know. Once everyone gets to be old, old fogey man and resentful old fogey man, it, it's, it's just like, I, I could not care. So, so you're, you're coming back for what is the sequel? Jupiter Circle? Jupiter Circle. And I think there might be Jupiter Circle too. And I don't, I don't think so. I mean, Quietly's art's lovely enough, but at the end, I've just finished it. I'm like, I don't care. And there's also, there's just, yeah, no, no, it's just, it, it was an engaging enough read for free and it looked really pretty on the iPad thanks to Quietly and the Colorists, but, but wow, I, I was like, Ugh. the, the, the fact that, the fact that Miller has managed to carve out a little, you know, niche for himself in Hollywood is, kind of perfect, you know, for him. Cause it really is that idea of like Hollywood doesn't really understand comics. Like you can get people who are put on the comics movies who understand comics, but in, inherently Hollywood's just like, mm, this makes money, right? Oh yeah. It's made money. It's been a top seller for et cetera, et cetera. Okay, let's do it. You know, but what's it about? Oh, it's like Watchmen meets, uh, meets the Incredibles. Oh, that sounds perfect. Creepy, creepy and crappy is basically my review of Jupiter's Legacy. <laughs> creepy and crappy, but lovely. Um, so you're not excited about um, Kick-Ass the New Girl then? Yeah, no. I mean... Did no. you see that? Did you see that? that I saw an announcement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, a, it was a weird announcement. Um, it's, I, I, I don't quite understand it. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely don't. I, I don't quite... <sighs> Other than the entirely cynical read. Is there um, any other way to read uh, Mark Miller? I, I feel there should be, right? <laughs> I don't know, but okay, because there's the entirely cynical read of, hey, you guys, replacing your white male superheroes with a woman is hot now. Mm-hmm. Then I don't see, like, if it's not that, then I don't see the benefit. I think the benefit is is that Mark Miller has to keep his cred. It's very important to him, I think, for the importance of the alternative girls that he likes to hit on on the computer late at night. That he he has some sort of credit. Is, as, is that a more? I I honestly think you've got to mix it with Warren Ellis there. Oh, I, I, please, Ellis Ellis was the dude who got caught. That's really the only difference there i think i think i think it can we just say allegedly to save us from legal action 
Sure. Uh, what, that Warren Ellis allegedly no, got no, caught? No, no, but also, like, this is what Miller's doing. I honestly feel oh, like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. People, people, people. I have no idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. I, I was speaking for comedic hyperbole effect. I have no idea, uh, honestly, what Miller is up to. I'm just relatively convinced that he's a repugnant human being, and it's very important to him that he hides it. And one of the ways that I feel that if he starts getting desperate about it, the fact that more and more people have been calling uh, Miller on his racist subtext, he's like, I'm, I'm not racist. Look, kick ass. The woman of color. I'm very excited that women of color will be like, you know, or it's, you know, it's just, that's, 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 that's Miller's deal. He's, he totally wants to be seen. As I mean, a progressive, because he's aware that superheroes are in that weird zone of it's in, you know, uh, prog- you know, progressive in the sheets, conservative in the streets, or whatever the way it flips around. You know, it's it it seems like it's actually one thing, but the but the fact is, superheroes are you know, they are we as we keep stumbling you know across and against this idea of like. It's really easy to boil it down back to, you know, Donald Trump in a cape punching a guy on the street, you know? <laughs> I, I feel like we are in, like, the most cynical Wade White episode ever. I know. We're, we're kind of – we're right at that event horizon where uh, – but let me tell you, out of a cynical thing that I read that I thought was great, and I, I want to say this, this is very important to me because there are – there are writers that I and artists, not artists so much, writers for whatever reason, my own. If I write them off, I they are written off. But I'd like to believe that if they do something that really gets me, um, I will happily revise my opinion. Up until about four days ago, you could maybe was, yeah four days ago you could not have paid me to buy a book from Nick Spencer uh, because of what I thought was some truly atrocious work coming out of Marvel. And admittedly, you know, I could have been a little gentler on the guy. Probably wrote some of the Fear itself tie-ins in like three and a half hours, but it got the shit out of me. No, 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 no I, I'm getting there. And. Okay. Um, I it's the fix. To, You've read the fix. I read you? the three issues of the fix, and they were fucking great. They were fucking I was gonna, great. Because it's funny, you were like, because of the stuff coming out of Marvel, and I was going to say two things. One, I've said on the past in the podcast that um, I think his Captain America stuff is like surprisingly strong, mm-hmm. but also I think Superior Foes of Spider Man, which is of course with Steve Lieber, his well. artist of the fix, mm-hmm. uh, you would love. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I genuinely think that like, that is a book where you'd like, oh no, this is everything I wanted from a Marvel comic book. Right. Yeah. I, and I have to say, I I had heard you say those things and I was like, particularly the thing about Superior Foes and I do like Steve Lieber. And I was like, yeah, I'll check it out someday. But in the back of my head, I'm like, but that guy wrote like some skunk, skunk ass, stinky issues for Marvel. And I just, I can't buy it. And even some of the other stuff I saw, I was just like, even hearing the plots of like, you know, Avengers, well, he, he, colon, he also revolt, writes, colon, uh, assault on Liberty Hill. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, and, and he also writes uh, Morning Glories, which, you know, if you thought Lost was great but solved all its mysteries too quickly, then there's always Morning Glories. Yeah. You know? But uh, but no, I, I think that 
the fix is great. Let's let's go back yes, to that first thing. Exactly. The fix is a really fucking enjoyable book. It really is. It really is. Each one of those three issues, because I I got them all all at a go and and read them more or less all at a go, and they were each issue was incredibly enjoyable on its own and really kind of perfectly paced in that each issue seemed almost overly generous in the amount of material and humor and storytelling and twists that it was, that it was going for. It just had just a ton of just a very great vibe. Like I'm very impressed with, with how strong those three issues were really, really am. So yeah. Which really does make me think, go on to Marvel Unlimited read Superior Foes. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, I feel it's, I really do feel like everything you'd want from that sort of book. It's the, the right sort of schlubby level of, mm-hmm. of Marvel supervillain mm-hmm. treated with the right lack of respect. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like when you've got like, you know, Boomerang and Speed Demon and the Beetle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are your bad guys. And you know, like they're, they're trying, you know, they're trying to get their big blood against Silvermane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't take that too seriously. And so for for Spencer, and I, I also should say, I think that Lieber really ups Spencer's game significantly. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm well aware of that. I mean, I don't know. Again, maybe I'm not being as generous to Spencer as I should in that sense because I'm very – well, for one thing, it's going to be – Superior Foes is a tough one for me because weirdly – it's, you know, it's that weird, like, like you can't make fun of my parents. I can make fun of my parents kind of thing. Like, there's a little bit with those level of schlubby um, Marvel supervillains that I'm actually kind of tired of people being – and that's it. Everyone's like, oh, you got to read it. It's hilarious the way they t- take these characters. I'm like, yeah, no, I want – I actually would like those characters to be treated with a little respect. That being said, well, I will go back and read them and I'm, I know. I'm, I'm sure after reading The Fix that, that he treats well, it's them. Because I feel like he treats them with actually more respect than he treats the characters in The Fix. But right. it's the same type of attitudes. I don't think he's making fun of the characters in either case. Mm-hmm. I think the characters are well-rounded, mm-hmm. but they are also ridiculous and in a ridiculous situation, and I think that's the key. Mm-hmm. It's the difference between something like that and, and honestly, the given to Matt is Justice League, which everyone loves, but is just making fun of the characters. Mm-hmm. Like, every single character in that book is be, is a parody of themselves. Mm-hmm. None of those characters are treated with the quote-unquote respect they deserve. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not necessarily a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, Guy Gardner and Lobo are dumb characters. Sure. Like, honestly, Blue Bull and, and Booster are, are dumb characters as well. Mm-hmm. But I can imagine being, you know, Len Wein or Dan Jurgens, who's writing, like, you know, the fucking Blue Beetle book or the Booster Gold book at that point, and looking just like, I mean, like, that's the most successful book my characters are in, and it's not the characters I'm writing. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's just making fun of those characters, and I feel that the fixed and but especially Spirit Foes is not really making fun of it's or it's not making the cheap joke fun, right of the characters. Well, what I like about the fix, honestly, in a way, because the main character is such a jovial sociopath, 
but you get that really early in is it for me it's just kind of that thing of honestly once it's once it's spencer's own characters he can do whatever he wants with them of course you know to me i'm a there's part of me that's you know a little protective because i feel that behind every you know joke about the beetle is kind of a ha 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 don heck what a loser you know kind of thing yeah and i I don't think i really don't think that's the angle he's going yeah yeah, so uh, I, I will give it a try. To, to, to sort of twist away from, like, ah, everything Nick Spencer does is great. Uh, like, I think his Ant-Man doesn't work. I think his Ant-Man actually does go towards some of those, like, ha-ha, this character's lame because they're lame. Yeah. Like, right. element. and that's that's not as fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not as fun to have the, you know who's dumb? The porcupine. Do you know why he's dumb? He's called the porcupine. Right. right. You know, that's, that's just lazy. Mm-hmm. Right. And I feel Ant Man does does trend towards that much more than Superior Foes does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's good to know. I definitely believe me. I finished the fix, and I was like, okay, I've got to make time in my busy week to hit Marvel Unlimited and read Superior Foes. And, and check out his Captain America because it might actually not work for you. Because one of the reasons his Captain America works so much for me, I realize, is he clearly grew up in the Grunwald stuff the same way I did. Mm-hmm. Because it's clearly the groom old stuff that turns him on. Because he does fucking Catwolf. Mm-hmm. He does Diamondback. Mm-hmm. He does Serpent Society. Like, he's, he's, he, you know, uh, Demolition Man is, is one of the sporting characters. Mm. And he's one of the few writers in Marvel in the last 20 years to go, maybe Demolition Man's a decent character. You know, mm. not the, maybe he's homeless and smells, but he's also delusional. Ha 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 ha. Right. Which right. is, you know, as someone who likes Devilish Man, I, that has always just driven me mad. I was like, this is horrible. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. Like, that's, that's like weirdly offensive on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Um, but Spencer clearly is like, I grew up reading the shit, you guys, and I can't believe that I now get to do Cap Wolf. Right. And I get to do Cap Wolf making affectionate references to Cap Wolf. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, not, haha, this is lame. Right. But, having characters be excited that Catwolf is happening again. You know? Uh, and But I feel that you weren't so into Grunewald's Captain I, America. So yeah, might, well, I, it, I actually missed the entirety of it. Yeah, it's something so that, it might, that is it such a... Yeah, it's such a touchstone for so many of the, the people that, that I know. But as I think I mentioned, it was like... Englehart and Kirby were, was like my jam... I stuck it out through uh like some of the weirdness with Gerber. I and I basically jumped off the book when it was stern and burn even though I heard I heard good things at the time and better things after came back for Dematius all the way up through 300 and then checked out again. So I I literally missed like all of Grunwald. And I Yeah, I so, so for me Grunwald was my Captain America. Like yeah. that was the introduction before I read Engelhart, before I read Kirby. Mhm. Like mm-hmm. it was Grunwald. Mm-hmm. Like my Captain America was was the the um, you know the Captain uh, saga, like with with Viper turning Ronald Reagan into a snake, right? Like that. Right. That's the Captain America I was growing yeah. up with. Yeah. So I I do have that like he's doing the serpent side. Oh, fuck, it's Diamondback. This is so exciting. Thrill, right. You know. Yeah. 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 Which you know is totally unearned because really, you know that that stuff is kind of ridiculous. And what's funny is when you read past Captain America, like when you read Englehart then, mm-hmm. and then back in read Grunewald, you're like, wow, Grunewald is really just like doing photocopies of the past. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But because you, you, I read it when I'm like, right, oh, exactly. It's your first. You know, you're, yeah. yeah, you're like, oh, I don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't care. It's still awesome. <laughs> what did you say? Cap's quitting again. He's getting another new identity. I don't care. This is the one I read first. <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> um, and, and Spencer's Spencer's thing is worth that. But no, Spencer's uh, the fix is great. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, let's go back for a second and just say Steve Lieber on Spearfoes, but also on The Fix, mm-hmm. is just amazing work. Yeah. Steve Lieber's stuff on those books is so good. Yeah, it's it's great. He just has a... Um, he just... He, he Part of it is he cartoons well, but I got... He just had... I feel like... I feel like, for me, uh, Lieber just has some of the best body language, like, in the business. Just his acting is down. great, but also his, his pacing is great. Yeah, his pacing and his acting are just tremendous. So there, it's it's amazing how much of the stuff his his characters sell, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was great. Um, hmm. Why did you tell us some some things about what you've been reading, Graham? So I'm not just dominating. I, I, I've this been with... reading lots of old stuff this week. I have to be said. Mm-hmm. Um, I read, I've been reading lots of, uh, Brave and Bold. Mmm. A lot of Brave and Bold. Uh, because I've, I, I actually, a couple of weeks ago, was reading lots of, uh, DC Comics Presents. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was in a very, like, oh, superhero team ups. I love superhero team ups. I was reading lots of Marvel 2 in one as well. Mm-hmm. I love superhero team ups. You know, superhero team ups when they're, they're done in ones and they're, they're very gimmicky stories. Yes. Like, when they're done well, they're, they're just great in terms of narrative. Like they're great little 20, 20 page stories because they get in and get out so quickly. And yep. when they're done well, it's, it's a joy to behold mm-hmm. to see them balance the demands of the individual characters, the demands of the villain and, and the, the simplicity of the plot in order to set like service, you know, three different characters. Right. Uh, it, it's, it's great reading those. Uh, and so I was like, I'm, you know, I, I spiral through these and I'm like, Oh, Bob Haney, Bob Haney, Brave and Bold. Yes, and those are just delightfully nuts. Yeah. And I always like I remember that, and then I read them, and I'm like, oh, they're actually much more nuts than I remember. Yeah, it, they're, they're much more zany. And Haney is either zany having a having a lot more fun mm-hmm. that, than than I think a lot of writers these days do, mm-hmm. or just his stylization. Like the more I read Haney. The more I'm like, oh, he's Terry Southern writing Batman. Because <laughs> you know, some of his some of his his captions mm-hmm. are just wonderful pieces of hyperbole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and and also so out of touch with everything else in the book. You know, I'm doing Batman meets Wildcats. Uh it's all about kids who are going to the Olympics. And so my opening caption is going to be something about how the night is dark and warm, like a you know, a drunk man's breath or something like that. And you're like, what? Where the <laughs> fuck does that come from? You know, and, and it's, it's, it's all the shit in there that is just that makes it continually a delight to go back and revisit this stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, so I, I've been reading a lot of that. I um, I got mailed the first collection of Chip Zdarsky's and Erica Henderson's Jughead, mm. which is just it's great. Oh, it's so great because it's it's Squirrel Girl for Archie. Mm-hmm. It really, really is, and I'm not just saying that because Henderson's drawing it. Uh, Zdarsky really matches Ryan North's 
sincere strangeness mm-hmm. and joy in strangeness. So even though it's in the same continuity as Wade's Archie, mm-hmm. by the conceit that Jughead, every issue, will fall asleep and have a dream sequence. Mm-hmm. He works back in, like, all the weirdness. So he works back in, like, Captain Pureheart mm-hmm. uh, and Jughead's Time Police. Mm-hmm. And all stuff. And this, uh, like, have you read these issues, Jeff? I've read the first three, I think, and I've got the other two, I think, that I bought so, digitally. So, so and the, central, the central plot actually is that Mr. Weatherby is replaced by a new principal That's that Jughead right. automatically takes against. Mm-hmm. And then it's revealed, and it turns out to be true, mm-hmm. that the new principal is training the students to become CIA agents. <laughs> Like, that's actually the plot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Jughead realizes, and first of all, no one believes him, then, like, then they do. Mm-hmm. Even just, like, the revelation of how the friends go from, you're clearly, you know, there's something wrong with you, yes. to, oh shit, you're right, it's hilarious. Because it happens, like, the mechanics for it happening are something happens to make Jughead go, well, never mind. I give up. Mm -hmm. And I'll try to like, well, wait, for that to have happened and for you to have given up, this guy has to be more than just like an average principal. (laughs) He must be right. (laughs) You know, and so it's just, it's it's a wonderfully comic in the sense of comedic. Yes. uh, Right. And And it does just continually like up the ante more and more with each issue. Mm-hmm. And again, you have Erica Henderson drawing, and Erica Henderson's art is just lovely. It's so open. Again, mm-hmm. the acting is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's it's a very attractive comic book. I, and so the, the combination of those two things just makes you go like, this is this is just a great comic. Yeah. This is just super fun, enjoyable comic. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it absolutely has been um, uh, a fave. In that sense, I, I think that one of the things I like about Henderson's take on it, and this is a little bit different from what she does with Squirrel Girl, but um, Henderson's take manages to kind of split the difference between trying to give us, you know, quote unquote, contemporary Archie with the with the redesigned stuff. Um you know, it doesn't, it's not, it's not necessarily exactly on model with that stuff, but it's not far off because it's cartoonier. And so it just kind of exists in a very comfortable continuum somewhere between sort of the classic Archie stuff and the new Archie stuff, you know? Mm, especially, especially with these dream sequences. Like, yes, exactly. Drift back to like, it's Jughead's Time Police. Right. You know, who really thought you'd get Jughead's Time Police? And also the fun thing is, the more you go on, the more the dreams actually reference each other. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. like, you, you get a, you know, the, the, the superhero story continues from one dream to another. And in the second dream, uh, January from the Time Police shows up, mm-hmm. referencing what happened in that dream. And it's just, it, it's just wonderfully playful. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah you, you, you do get Henderson playing with the, you know, quote-unquote classic Archie mm-hmm. uh, and the redesign Archie at the same time. Yeah. Something else I really enjoy about these trades as well. I don't know if you've seen the trade of Archie, uh, but the trade of Archie is the first six issues of Archie and the first issue of Jughead. Oh, nice. The trade of Jughead is the first six issues of Jughead and the seventh issue of Archie. Hmm. 
which is a really nice way of being like, A, added value, but B, buy the next book. Yeah, totally. You know, because I read the sixth issue joke, and I'm like, this is great. This is really enjoyable. It's the seventh issue of Archie. I enjoy the Archie book. I'm going to read this. And I did get to the end of it. I'm being like, this is not the same type of fun as Jughead's, but it's a really fun book. And I want to read more of this. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it totally works as a oh yeah I, I I should I should go and check that back out gimmick so yeah I I'd love to see more more people do stuff like that it's it's a really smart move uh, the Jughead I don't even know when it's out I think it's out next month but it's it's just it's great it's a really really nice collection I got mailed the first issue of shit what's it called it's right beside me uh, Girl Over Paris which is a fascinating in terms of concept and also a good book. Um, it is by uh, Gwenda Bond, Kate Leth, and Ming Doyle. Hmm. It is a comics spin-off of Gwenda Bond's uh, YA prose series mm-hmm. that takes place between the first and second books. They're all published by Amazon's imprints. Hmm. Weirdly enough. So so this comic is by what's the comic company called? Jet City Comics. Oh Jet City, yeah. Which is which is Amazon's comics imprint. Mm-hmm. Uh and and the books are published by whatever the name of the, the publisher is, I can't remember offhand. Um and they mailed me the two books and the comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I read the comic first because I'm going to be interviewing uh Gwenda and I think Kate as well. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, obviously I should read what I'm talking about. Um and the comic is is really it's really fun. It's a really good book, but it also made me go, "Oh, I want to read these books now." Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of fascinated by the structure of this whole thing because because you can read the comic a cold. Wendy uh, Bond plots it, Kate Leth scripts it, and the two of them get over all the information you need. You don't need to read the book, hmm. but they also reference the climax of the first book. Mm-hmm. So, you get, so you get the feeling that, like, once you finish the first book, you can just roll straight into this. Hmm. Um, but it does because of it. You know, it, it's a very. It actually reminds me very much of Amelia Cole, mm. the the, uh, the Monkey Brain book. Mm-hmm. Not in terms of subject matter, but in terms of tone. Hmm. Uh, I, one of the things I love about Amelia Cole is it feels very. It feels a really successful YA book that is uh, actually all ages. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of a good way of saying like gender positive without saying gender positive because it sounds ridiculous but like with a female protagonist that doesn't treat that as a special thing right but also doesn't go and girls are as good as boys but instead just like here's here's the character here's the lead character like this is what she does she's just a character Lion treats her just like any other protagonist in any, in any other comic Mm-hmm. And just make a big deal out of it, um, but also works really well as an all ages book. Like you can get different things depending on what you're bringing to the work. Um, so yeah, so I, I I finished this book and I was like, I I want to read the books. I'm glad they sent me the prose books now. Wow, that's great. It, it it's it's a really nice thing to do. Um, so yeah, I think that's out really soon. Mm-hmm. Maybe the first week of July. I think it's out. Um, yeah, Girl Over Paris issue one. And also Ming Doyle draws that, and it's probably the best Ming Doyle art I've seen. Hmm. In large part because the colours by Andrew Dalhouse are much brighter than I'm used to seeing over Ming's work. Mm-hmm. And really work. Hmm. Like, I, I I don't know quite who 
like normally colors Ming's work. Maybe it's Ming herself. Mm-hmm. But whoever does, they should pay attention to what Andrew's doing in this book. <laughs> it re- it makes the work seem better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel very often with Ming's work, it, it's very um, dark and also very impressionistic. So it's like, here's a very, you know, a very dark purple, and then the background is orange. Right. You're like, sure, it's dramatic. But this this is much brighter and much more, uh, I, I hesitate to say realistic, because it's not. Like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's flat colors. Um, but it's, it really works, and, and it makes the art seem much sharper hmm. as a result. Mm-hmm. See, I really, I really, really like that. I, I've, most of the things I've been reading these days, like, I've been liking. Mm-hmm. In large part, because I've been really picky about what I'm reading. The only things I've been reading that I'm like, ah, I'm not sure about are mostly the DC Rebirth books. Mm, right. right. And even then, like, I'm relatively positive about them. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's reserved positive. Yes. Right. You know? I get that. Yeah. I do. Uh, 2000 AD continues to be great. The Dread Story just continues to be everything that I think I want from Dread right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels... Uh, it's it's up there with, like, Trifecta and, and Titan. Wow. You know, it, it's it's like when someone, when whoever, I guess it's Matt Smith, the editor, but whenever they're like, let's do a big Dread story. Mm-hmm. Th- there's never a disappointing big Dread story. Mm-hmm. Someone was managed to get it right. And so are you, are you still horribly behind? So I can't talk about what the big twist is, can I? No, you still can't. You told me like, the other it. week that you were like, Jeff, you really got to jump on and read this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yes. And then proceeded not to do it. So God damn it. I really <laughs> want to just say it just to punish you now. <laughs> that's, that's pleasant. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You should probably not pay attention to the, uh, any of 2000 postings because they have just given it away now. Oh, have they? Uh, yeah. Um, but it's, it's a staggeringly simple and obvious idea mm-hmm. that they've never done before. And also an idea that could only really happen right now in the Dread mythology because of what's happened in the various other big stories over the last few years. And it's, it's one of those things that can be read on multiple levels. There's definitely a like, shoot them up element to it. And you could, you could, and I think it is actually ultimately going to end in like a big shoot em up finale. Uh-huh. Um, but the subtext of it is just great. Hmm. And again, commenting on the real world mm-hmm. um, in, in a really interesting way. So yeah, it's fucking read 2018. <laughs> and well, I, we, I, I know you don't really follow uh, the magazine, but Lawless continues just to be great in the magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of these days they're going to do a Lawless collection and I'm just going to, I'm going to yell at you to buy it. <laughs> all this is it's just such a great Judge Dredd spinoff mm-hmm. what, it's up there with like all of the it's with the best of the Judge Dredd spinoffs for me just in the it, taking the idea of the western like the, the frontier the frontier aspect of it right plugging it into the, the Dread mythos and instead of giving like, you know, the, this is the true American hero. He's, you know, confident in everything. Uh, and instead going, here's a judge that doesn't fit into Mega City One because she has the doubts. Mm-hmm. Um, because she's not the perfect emotionless judge. Making her the central character. And then in the new series going, maybe she's not actually a judge. Maybe she's lying to everyone and pretending to be a judge. Hmm. 
That's a fun take. But 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 also not being like, what is she hiding? Mm-hmm. Just being like, she's still a good person. She's still mm-hmm. trying to do good. Right. But everything might be based on a lie. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, it's it's it's. There's really nice ideas at play there. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's Dan Abnett writing, and Dan Abnett is. I mean, he's been around for fucking ever. Yeah, I remember Dan Abnett comics like a quarter of a century ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but like between this and of all things, Aquaman at DC, mm-hmm. like he's doing really solid work right now. Mm-hmm. His Aquaman is. Honestly, better than Aquaman has a right to be. Hmm. I, I don't even mean that in the sense of like, it's the greatest superhero comic ever, because with all the best will in the world, it's an Aquaman comic. <laughs> but it's so. He manages to get the tone right. I, I, I think I said it on the, the. in a written post recently. But it feels like Abnett is writing the Aquaman that Jones, uh, Jeff Jones wanted to write. Mm-hmm. Um. But never did, because Jeff Johns clearly wanted you to take Aquaman seriously. And that felt like you could feel his flop sweat during his entire run. Mm-hmm. You know? And then you had Jeff Parker's run, which I loved. But Jeff writes Jeff Parker comics. Mm-hmm. That, those all have a very specific tone, and I love that tone. But that tone is much lighter. You know, Jeff Parker comics are wonderfully absurd. And right. wonderfully, uh, pulpy adventure. They're playful. Yeah, right? You know. Uh, and then you have Abnett coming in, and there's probably, oh yeah, Colin Bunn was between, Colin Bunn drum was terrible. Um, but, but Abnett comes in and he's, he's back to being like, there are, there are, uh, there are bad things gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Clearly. And he's gone back to Black Manta, who I still can't quite take seriously as a villain. Um, but mixed in with this is a playfulness. So it's it's like, what if you get Jeff Parker's run and uh, Jeff John's run and mm-hmm. put, push them together? Hmm. Uh, and the answer is a surprisingly strong book. Surprisingly strong book. So yeah, so uh, Dan Abnett, who knew? Yeah. He's, al- he's also writing a great uh, series in 2000 AD right now called... Shit, I've completely forgotten what it's called. But it's with Ian J. Cobard. Oh, really? Who oh, is well, a- that makes sense, because they collaborated on uh, Wild's End, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to find out the name of this, this series right now. But it's another, uh, like, Science Brink is what it's called. Mm. Um, And it's another, you know, at the far end of, of sci- civilization, science fiction. Uh, it's a... It's, uh, it's a, a procedural mm-hmm. uh, about the, what happens after humanity has had to, has evacuated Earth. Hmm. Um, but again, Kilbard's art is just great. Mm-hmm. Almost everything Kilbard does for 2080 is great, not just because his art looks great, but because he he chooses to work on really interesting projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so again, this is this is a really fun, interesting story. Uh, it's actually weirdly uh, familiar if you've been reading The Fuse, mm-hmm. the image series. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, people who like The Fuse, which, again, is, is a procedural set in space, yes. um, it, uh, will like Brink. So, again, if, if Brink ever comes out as a collected edition, then it's one that people should should pay attention to. If nothing else, Kilbard's art is lovely. And, once again, it's Avnet just doing not, like... Uh, 
you know, glamorous work. Mm-hmm. It's really good work. Yeah, solid work. I remember actually a few weeks ago when they had the uh, they had, Comixology had a, the DC Rebirth sale that they you know they switch out every week, and it was Teen Titans was up, and I'm like, oh, this is great. Graham has said all this great stuff about Titans Hunt. It leads into you know the new Titans series. I'll pick pick up the issues for like ninety nine cents, and I'll be have myself a good old time because I'm really curious about them after what you said. And my, it was kind of heartbreaking that I'm like, you guys aren't putting Titans hunt in this yeah, goddamn sale. It's, it's, it's really fucking annoying, right? You're like, but that's the series that leads in you guys. Yeah. Seriously. It's like all but this really, other like, stuff. Mm. DC, a whoever's in charge of the comicsology sales and B whoever's in, right now in charge of their trades stuff. Mm-hmm. They're nuts. Like, mm-hmm. why is there no cheap and or trade of the, Dan Jurgens, Lois and Clark series that introduces the Superman who is now DC Superman. Right. Why right. is Titans Hunt not out there as a collection? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like the stuff that actually leads in on a story level. Yeah. The stuff that's happening in your books now should be available easily. Yeah. I would, I would think so, especially, especially while interest is high. Listen, let me say that although, uh, it sounds as if I haven't been following your recommendations lately, I do want to say that I, I, dashed right off to the closest internet link to download the Spidey Zine by Hannah Blumenreich that you mentioned on the Wait What Tumblr site. Cause because it's perfect. It's great. It's, it's really so great. good, right? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's perfect. It's so good. Her cartooning is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Like her visualization of Peter Parker. Yeah. It's, so great and actually gets across him being a kid oh. in a way that Marvel has never managed. Mm-hmm. 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 Not once. Yeah. But also her take on him as a kid mm-hmm. and the, the kindness and loneliness that comes with that. Mm-hmm. And also the, the, the enjoyment of being able to do what he can do. Yes. It's just wonderful. Yeah, I mean, uh, the walk home story that, uh, was really wonderful that we linked to earlier is in here, a four pager, but, um, I, I really love the story where, um, where, uh, some kids invite Spider-Man to play basketball. Uh, yeah. and that's just great. Like the body, again, the body language, some of the stuff, Spider-Man, Spider-Man's whole, like, I totally want to do this, but I don't, I don't, I don't really know how to play basketball really well. It was just, just incredibly endearing. Or I'm sure you also adored the one pager where, uh, Peter is sitting on the couch watching Gilmore Girls, Gilmore Girls. with yes. Aunt May and I yelling at the very screen. Upset. Yeah. yeah he's very upset with, with, with Rory's choice. Yeah. But like, and, and you've got that. So you've got the, you, the like, genuinely sensitive, subtle writing. Mm-hmm. And then you have like the broad comedy of Mary Jane showing up and she is the classic Stanley Mary Jane. And Peter just doesn't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's so great. Where she's like, face a tiger, you just hit the jackpot. And he's just like, what? Yeah, exactly. She's like, you're, who, you're like, you're such a dreamboat from Groovesville with that haircut. And she's like, huh? And of course, the fact that Aunt May's in the background with like a little heart floating over her head was just so great. 
but it, it's, I, I was, I've been saying this a lot on Twitter recently, but like the fact that Marvel has not hired her to do something, mm-hmm. uh, I can only assume that like, they haven't actually noticed her yet because hiring her, even just to fucking do a short in something in one of their anthology books seems like such a no brainer to me. You know, one of the things that's a real heartbreaker is as much of a objectionable dick as he was like Steve Wacker. Like I have total faith that if Wacker, it was still in charge of the Spidey books, it would have happened by now. Yeah. You know, yeah. that guy really had such a good, strong eye for talent. Um, so yeah, it's it it really is. It's wonderful stuff. So I, I enjoyed the Spidey Zine tremendously. I and also we should say it's free. Yes. Uh, what Hannah's being very smart yes. by not charging for it because if she doesn't charge for it, she doesn't profit from it. Yeah. If she doesn't profit from it, she thinks Marvel aren't going to come after her. Which I think and I, I think I think sense. that's it's reasonable. Just, yeah, it's just uh, it. You can, however, throw her money. Right. And I would, I would recommend that people do that because it's genuinely great work. Yeah. It's, it's, it's some of the best superhero work you'll read. Yeah, I, I, I think so. It's, it's. There's not enough of it, but it is. It's a part that I adored. It's like I read this, and then I read the because uh, I'd fallen way behind on some of my comic shopping, but also some of my reading of of singles. So, I sat down not long after that and read. Uh, the Doctor Doom issue of Spidey, which I think is issue four, right? And it has some really very, very nice art by Andre Lima Arahu, uh, Arahu, maybe. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's kind of a heartbreaker because I was loving the work by Nick Bradshaw, I think. Nick Bradshaw, yeah. But, um, but it's still acceptable. And I was like, yeah, this is good. Like you said, it's sort of like, yeah, but she really takes that stuff and does it better. I mean, even when I read, um, even reading Spidey, where I, I sort of generally, I don't, I'm not, I don't have objections to Robbie Thompson as a writer, but I don't think his work is particularly strong. And there's also a way in which I don't believe his Peter Parker is a teenager. Whereas yeah, yeah. I, I've got to say, Spidey, for, I've only think I read a couple of issues, but it's... It leaves you cold. I, I don't get it. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't, I don't see that it does anything that any of the many other teen Spider-Man books have done in the past. Yeah. Um, and I don't beyond like a well, there's a movie coming out and Spider-Man's a teenager in it, so we might as well have this book in the marketplace. I don't get the reason for it to exist, and so it's particularly sad that you know Hannah's out there doing this work mm-hmm. and and really making this stuff feel fresh. Well, uh, and I, then you have like the, the the official book, and the official book is just like, huh? Yeah, I guess I must be much fonder of Nick Bradshaw's art than you than you. No, no, I I I I love the art. It's the writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the writing is is actually the weak point. Where I was like, yeah, this is, huh? Yeah, no, this just hasn't clicked for me either. Speaking of stuff where you're like, holy shit, the writing. Uh, I somehow came in a hold of a copy of Civil War 2, number one. Oh! Talk about old sauce, I know. But I was kind of like, I didn't think I'd end up reading any of it until, you know, I was I was going to hate read it once it hit um, Unlimited. Hit Marvel that, Unlimited, that, yeah. That's my game apart from issue three. I'm like 99% sure I know what's going to happen, and I'm fairly sure I'll have to read it for work. 
Oh yeah. Do you do you want to do you want to talk about it or is it? I, I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure they're going to kill off Bruce Banner. Oh, interesting, interesting. Huh. Uh, uh, and and that's that is like that's a story. Mm-hmm. That's that's a story in the way that like you know, hey, She Hulk gets knocked out by a missile, isn't? Well, that's it. I mean. Do you think is he going to die so that She-Hulk yes. may live? Oh, he's going to die because in the end of issue two, because hey, I follow spoilers. Um, Ulysses, the living plot device, yeah, says the Hulk's going to kill all of you, and Captain Marvel goes to see Bruce Banner, mm-hmm. and also the uh, the Amadeus Cho series just reintroduced Bruce Banner. Uh, like in their road to Civil War Two issue, mm-hmm. seems a bit like a spoiler, really. Right. <laughs> when you're like, we've kept this character out of the spotlight. We're bringing him back up in a book that's bannered Road to Civil War Two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just saying that maybe he's going to play an important part there, like dying. Now, just out of curiosity, uh, do you, so do you feel? Uh, what's your What's your take on? I mean. Let's get things out of the way in case there are whatnots that are confused. I, I think that Civil War Two exists for entirely and exactly one reason, which is to sell comics. I do not yeah. think that I think I think it is a incredibly desperate Hail Mary to up sales and I I think in that regard they will literally do just about anything. In order, in order to make make the whatever sales numbers that they have, except you know, uh, edit Brian Bendis, which I, I feel like they probably really should have thought about. But <laughs> wow, um, I I'm going to agree with you, but mm-hmm. I'm going to add a a sort of side note of I also don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that as an aim, as long as your comics are good. Oh, and I think I sure. think the problem is the Civil War two. Feels amazingly half-assed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and it's not for the first time in a, in a big event book, but the you feel the we came up with these plot points in a room, yeah, and this is where we go to hit the plot points, right? Uh, the, the 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 characterization feels forced slash just completely surreal. It's it's it, the Bendis's writing here is is bad on several levels, which I thought was amazing. Yeah, it's but, got but, some of that like it's better than the the free comic book day issue, which is honestly the worst writing I've ever read from Bendis. Yes, exactly. It's not quite at that level, although there's parts that come close, but not literally as bad as the shit you know the classic. You're under arrest, Thanos, which is just the most jaw dropping. Like what although, the fuck? Can we also for a second talk about the fact that? This free comic book day issue takes place in the middle of issue yes. one. Yeah. And is, in fact, the climactic moment of issue one, despite the fact it doesn't take place in issue one. Yeah, it's amazing. It I really had that w- weird moment of like, oh, I know what's happening here because I read that that zero issue. But I also had this moment of like – or sorry, the free comic book day issue, which might be separate. But I- it, it is separate. It went free comic book day, zero Issue right. one, meaning issue one was the third issue of the series. Yeah. And also in terms of continuity, issue zero, the second issue, yeah. came out, it took place before issue one 
and before the free comic book day issue, which was the thir- first issue to come out, which takes place theoretically third. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's not confusing at all. Two, two and three quarters in, you know? So yeah, it, it, it was, uh, so the writing on that was hideous just in terms of things coming out of people's mouth. But I was fascinated that a person that to watch, watch a character, like Bendis is writing Iron Man in, in Iron Man and has also written a shit ton of Iron Man in the Avengers and his inability to have that character talk, co- make a coherent argument in civil war two, like so underlines the idea that the differences, the huge stark differences between the belief about, you know, Ulysses skills and what that's going to lead to was just like throughout all the stages he's like you know at the end he's like i told you this was going to happen it's like at no point did you mention that this was going to happen you know you were totally talking about like what if it turns around that one of you is you know that someone's going basically the setup for what it sounds like the the bruce banner and the hulks exactly yeah you you actually told us what issue three was gonna happen yeah exactly so and and that that that's clever we did kept us off our uh off balance but i i don't know i just so my thing is is really just my interest in that weirdo car crashy kind of thing what particularly because issue one slash issue three of the series kills off roadie and kills off she hulk no it doesn't Okay, so what's going on there? She Hulk is, is in a coma. Uh, well, she was issue, in a coma, and then she flatlines. Yeah, issue two then, reveals she's still in a coma. What? Don't okay. worry, she doesn't die at the end of issue one, despite the flatline. Wow, wow, that's some shitty ass walking back. And yet, I'm kind of relieved because honestly, I walked into this being like, they wouldn't actually kill She-Hulk, were they? I, you know, I don't well, know. They might, they might still kill they, She-Hulk. They, sure, sure, they might. I think that would be a, a horrible, stupid-ass choice, but sure, whatever. I mean, and that's my thing, is, is I feel that Marvel will do whatever stupid-ass choices that it needs to, to – they feel will compel people to pick up the books. Uh, and yet I, what I was going to ask was <clears throat> also, do you get the sense that it's quote-unquote going to stick – you know, or I, in, oh, in I mean, the sense of fear no, itself, because more or less. none of it sticks. Right. But how long will it, how, how long will it stick before, before the reboot gets applied? Do you have it? Oh, I don't, I don't think it's going to be fear itself style reboot of like immediately afterwards. I don't yeah. think they're going to do that. Okay. Um, but you know, there's, there's no way if the kill of Bruce Banner, there's no way he's dead for more than two years. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. they might leave Rhodey dead. Yeah. Here, here's, here's where I get really cynical because he's black. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, they're introducing a new war machine. They'll wait for that war machine to, to crash and burn really? before they run again. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. She's in, in, uh, Invincible Iron Man, I, which, yeah, that's the one that's not the Malieve title. So yes, yeah, mm-hmm. she, she's an Invincible Iron Man. Hmm. And also she's trailed in the new Marvel Now. Uh, teaser images. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, uh, none of it will stick. And here's the thing. I don't think Marvel expects anyone to believe anything will stick anymore. Sure. Which is, which is the big problem because therefore none of it has the impact that 
it should. And I think in a weird way, Bendis is writing it as if it does. And, and that, that disconnect is a real problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even more so than Thanos, you're under arrest. Mm-hmm. The disconnect that, you know, we'll kill off character X because it will shock the readers and motivate character Y mm-hmm. just doesn't work anymore because the reader is too aware of the mechanics. And so it doesn't even work as a motivational tool anymore. Well, it's interesting. I'm not sure. That it's- other things. You could do lots of other things as well. Like mm-hmm. what if they just crippled them like they do in the movies? You know, that, why does that not have the same impact? Yeah, that is that is a that is a very good question. I I don't know. I I think that uh, for me, it's like whether or not it works as motivation. I mean, is one thing I suppose. Like part of me was like, I don't know. I I, I can't even go there. The whole thing just seems rigged, and I really feel that anyone. It's sort of like if you pay, it just. It depends on how much of the benefit of the doubt that you're willing to give Marvel. And I really feel that Marvel has hit the point where people are only going to give them about, at most, 70,000 copies worth of leeway, you know? And I say that, I have no idea what the fuck Civil War II was set up to sell or oh, it, oversell. It sold, or... Pretty, it sold pretty well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm sure it did because Marvel needed it to. So, I mean... You know, I and, and I don't mean anything, but I just mean that through the incentives and all the other stuff, I'm sure that retailers, I, I feel that retailers ordered it well as opposed to they oh, didn't see, order it. Yeah, the, yeah. The, um, the zero issue, which mm-hmm. is the most recent issue they have figure, figures for, or estimated figures, uh, 177,000. Right. Yeah, so I mean that's that's not bad. that is strong. That is in this market that's considered very very strong. So this, you know this market, however, is wacky as shit, right? Yeah, now. yeah. Um, how wacky as shit? In May, Jeff, mm-hmm. Scooby Apocalypse sold more than Star Wars Podameron. Wow, <whistles> really? Yep, that is insane. <laughs> I mean, really, and also both of those books. Sold uh, less than seventy thousand. Wow. Well, let's face it. Scooby Apocalypse selling selling over over seventy thousand. Said that might actually be more of a sign of the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. Well, or I mean, just a sign of. I mean, people weren't expecting Scooby Apocalypse to do those numbers. I think even in their wildest dreams, and people were uh, not expecting Poe. Dameron to sell that that low, I think, you know? Yeah, it's, it's actually, I think people paying attention to numbers should take note that Star Wars is under 100,000 now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which like again, that, feel, that feels weirdly important and also weirdly dangerous. Oh, completely. You know, Star Wars sold, like Star Wars should have been uh, Marvel's Batman. Like it, it's worth noting that Bar- no Marvel's Batman sold more than a hundred thousand for its entire fifty-three issue run. Sure, but how do I put it? But but Batman, Scott Snyder's Batman was not wedged between, say, I don't know, like let's say that that Scott Snyder's Batman 
had taken place entirely between Batman Begins and Batman the Dark Knight <laughs> the movie, right? Sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? I I think that that I, that you can you can sort of wave your hands about that for a little bit of time, a little yeah, bit but, of time. But even so, like Star Wars feels like it should be a bigger than it is right now in the market, and be more reliable. Uh, I, I I don't know. I I feel I feel there's something. I feel there's something weird going on in the market in general. There probably is. There probably is. I, I mean, I'll be curious to know what that is. And it could just be that people are, I mean, in a best case scenario, what we're having is, is that we've got the, you know, we're either there that people, hopefully when they're leaving, they come in for the licensed comics, they're there for a year or two years. And when they leave the licensed comics, they go to, you know, the alternative and indie stuff, you know, the, yeah, the people, we'll you know, in, in the best case scenario, the people who are leaving, uh, who aren't reading Darth Vader, which is ending anyway, but, you know, decided, jumped onto the wicked and divine, you know, I, I don't, yeah. well, we'll, we'll see. We'll we see. will see. We'll see all of this. The one other thing I want to say about numbers and then we'll go back to civil war two. Um, I remember the days and it was not that long ago where any Marvel title going below 20,000 was in danger. That's right. And we have Marvel ongoings under 10,000 right now. Really? What's, what's, yeah. wow, I have, must have missed a couple of sales reports recently. What's, what's under there? Uh, now you're going to make me fucking find the books, Jeff. Sorry, Come on. man. Uh, under 10 mm -hmm. is Weird World, which I think is ending. Mm -hmm. Uh,. Maybe that's it. I could have sworn there was another couple. Red Wolf, which is definitely ending. Right. I honestly thought there were more, but clearly there's not. Or maybe I was looking at a different sales chart. Hmm. Drax is at 11,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hellcat is at 11,000. Interesting. Illuminati is at 12,000. Mm-hmm. Um, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is at 12,000. Hyperion's at 13,000. And these are all still continuing books. Squirrel Girl is only at 15,000. Right. Well, there are, I would assume there are rumors that Squirrel Girl does better in digital, although I don't know. Yeah, if that's... and also I collect it. That's why Squirrel Girl is getting the graphic novel. Right. And Moon Girl is known to be doing better digitally in a collected edition. Okay. That's why it's continuing at 11,000. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's like, it's, it's a wacky market right now, Jeff. It anyway, really is. Back to Civil War 2. Yes, Civil War You're two. not a fan, is what you're saying. I, yeah, I mean, I, I knew I wouldn't be. That's why I didn't, I literally did nothing to get this issue. But that's, when I got that, it, that's I was, you get the issue. Ah, uh, well, that, that's, that's, that's where it's time for Jeff's moment of bad faith. Ba, 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 ba. I, um, I got, I got a little tired of the loot crate stuff, uh, like I would sign up for Loot Crate for like three months ago, and and the f one box would be great or have like three awesome items, and then the next one would be like you know because there's like six items and everything. It would be like I'd be lucky if there was one thing that really spoke to me. I'm like, well, this kind of sucks for me, and so I was like, I I wish I could have something like Loot Crate where except that it was. 
because I, I, you know, I'm an old fogey, and I just I don't care about video games. Did you sign up the Marvel Collector Core Box? Oh God! Oh Jesus! Yes, did you? yes, I did. I did. I totally did. I did. And I have to say, I I dug. I mostly dug it. I got that first box. I got a Spider Gwen shirt and a Squirrel Girl bobblehead and a uh, Ms. Marvel patch and uh, an awesome Marvel Collector Core pin that uses the the you know classic Jessica Drew Spider Woman design, like you know, practically pulled right from the upper hand left hand corner I, I, of the comic cover. I have a I have a genuine question to ask you about this. Sure, and this is not me being sarcastic. Mm-hmm. And I'm not being snarky. <laughs> this why? is even worse. Like, 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 why, why, what do you get out of it? Like, you are that invested in the tchotchkes? Like, yeah. why, what is the purpose of setting up for a box like this? Because I genuinely don't get it. I don't well, understand. Like, I'm not invested in any brand enough that I'm like, I want the toys, the t-shirts, you know, all this. And also, I want these things enough that I'm going to buy them sight unseen. Uh, that is a really good question, Graham. I, and I kind of am like, I don't necessarily know if I'm going to be able to put it in a way that you would necessarily get it, you know, because it's, it's a, it is a we cause for one thing, like you said, I think that as a general rule of thumb, I tend to buy too many things. And I think I, I would argue that you tend to buy too few and that's, Sort of sure, sure, split. but like even if I bought more things, I wouldn't be buying those things. Well, sh- yeah, but we'll get back to that. So, so I am a person who kind of has, um, where Marvel's concerned, there are Marvel tchotchkes have a stronghold on me. They, you know, I grew up in a time where it was like Mego action figures, the Marvel calendar, and the comic books and that was about it. I didn't even live in a town like you you have to keep in mind I'm the guy who like all but wept while reading the bullpen bulletins page where they would show the pictures of the Slurpee 711 Slurpee cups with the characters on it. I was like I wanted nothing more to live in a town where I could ha- the big city where they had 711s where I could actually, you know, get those things. And so that's kind of always had its hook in me. I do sort of dig the tchotchkes. And I got to say, I, it's weird because right as I crept up, creeping up on 50, where I'm more or less convinced I should never wear a t-shirt again, maybe I'm a little more t-shirt prone right now. Like the, you know, I got a Black Panther t-shirt like a year ago, two years yeah, ago. Yeah, I, I remember as I talking about when you were in town because you were wearing it. Yeah, and I... I love that shirt. And, and it's that weird thing of like, it doesn't matter that it makes me look like, uh, you know, like I'm an old nerd with a potato body. I should not be wearing that shirt. And yet by the same token, I'm like, God damn, I love this shirt. And I, I have to say, when I opened up the collector core box, just getting the collector core box with the spider Gwen outline on the front of the box, I'm like, Ooh. So, the flip side of it is I feel, and this may be, this is just speaking for myself. I can't presume to speak for the other people who, who subscribe to these things. But for myself, as someone who A, has a bit of a hoarding instinct, B, likes licensed tchotchkes of things that I really like, uh, and C, I think have some weird 
self-nurturing thing that is gone amok, like at some level of thing that I didn't feel for, that I got the, I think the big charm of things like Loot Crate and some of these other boxes is it's kind of like, <laughs> it's sort of, if therapy is a way that you have to pay people to actually listen to you, uh, Loot Crate is a nice extension of that as it's a way you pay people to give you presents to you, right? It's like getting presents. You don't know what you're going to get. You just know that you're going to get something in theory, this, you know, Entity has a sense of what you like. Um, and so that was it. It was like, yeah, Loot Crate's probably great if you're, a, you know, a 28-year-old, you know, or a 23-year-old and you who likes retro gaming and stuff. And, you know, Loot Crate is apparently, it looks like, is having its own weird troubles or something because it seems to be, you know, mega diversifying like crazy in an attempt to either find an audience or find five audiences or whatever it seems to be doing. So I was like, uh, the Marvel Collector Corps, you know, I, I did a certain amount of uh, drunk internetting and the next thing I knew I signed up for a subscription and it's an every other month kind of thing. Uh, and for myself, because it seems to be done entirely by um, Funko, uh, it's mostly all items that Funko puts together for the box. So I'm like, sure, I like a bobblehead, but like the fact that this very gorgeously little designed box came with like three bobbleheads like there's the squirrel girl bobblehead i'm like okay great and then there's two smaller vinyl bobbleheads which tie into civil war two because one's captain marvel and one's she hulk and i'm like uh and then then the, you know but i'm like ms marvel patch that little collector's pin the spider girl deal and the the squirrel girl i'm like yeah i'm happy i'm happy to have all these things i was happy to have them all show up in the mail i open them up i get a little ooh, this is very exciting you know and there's still the existential sadness of this is a 50 year old man paying people to be nice to him and not even nice in any genuine way but nice in the sense of oh he's such a a, a sucker for brand x that we can send him brand X socks and he'll spend a day actually contemplating how much of an idiot he'll look wearing them before deciding to wear them like or not. So, um, does that answer your question? I don't think it really explains the appeal in a way that you're going to yeah, be like, Oh, I, I, I get it. That, 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 that Jeff does not answer the question. Um, <laughs> I, I just left with more questions. Okay. I, I'm left with, like, I thought you were trying to unhoard. Like, does this not actively go against that? Like, what do you do with all the bobbleheads? Do you yeah. really like bobbleheads that much? How much are you paying for this? Is it worth the amount you're paying? Right. Like, I, I, cause you know me, Jeff. Like, I don't, I'm not a toy guy. Yeah. Yeah. I know you're not. No, a toy I, guy. I, I don't, I don't, like, so I don't even understand the, I'm going to sign up. I don't understand the concept of I'm going to sign up for a box promoting a brand where I don't know where I'm going to get it all. I don't understand that flat out. Yeah. I don't understand that when it's like, and it's going to be toys. Mm-hmm. Or like, I, I almost understand it more for you'll get lots of t-shirts out of it, to be honest with you. Yes. Um, but like, it's just, it's so alien to me mm-hmm. that uh I just, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand. 
I don't understand the appeal beyond... And this, this is going to sound like a slam, and it's not meant as a slam, but the... I identify so much... My, my self-identification is so tied to the Marvel brand right. that I am willing to promote the Marvel brand sight unseen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I... And, not only promote, support the Marvel Band site unseen. Yeah, no, I know. It was it was kind of problematic for me uh, beforehand. I have to say, like getting but it. That's also not anything against Marvel. No, I no, should no, say. no, right? Like, no, 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 no. You wouldn't feel that way about anything. It could be like Star Trek. It could be Star Wars. Sure. Like, don't I don't get any. I don't understand it from from that perspective at all. Of being a fan to that degree, where you're like they can send me anything, and I will pay for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, uh, I mean, there is a certain amount of faith. I Part of me is a little bit like, oh, these are a little more bobblehead heavy, like three bobbleheads per box. I'm like, if the next one of these has like three bobbleheads, I'm going to be like, Ugh. so because I'm not, I'm barely, is, I'm barely a first box. This is the first one. Yeah, this is the first one. How much is it? Uh, I do not. <laughs> this is the thing about being drunk. I don't remember. Hold on. I'm, uh, I'm looking up right now. Uh, don't, wait, Marvel Collector's Core. Yeah, it's, it's six, six boxes. boxes. It's one every other month. It's, it's $25 a box. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, depending on, you know, some people. Did, did you like, sign up for one box or did you sign up for the year? I signed up for the year. Yeah. Honestly, like Jeff, you just give them one hundred fifty dollars. I, dude, I know, Graham. I appreciate your ability to state something that that nakedly, but yes, no, no, I but, but I, 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 that's totally my own cheapness coming in. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, what, Jeff? Yeah, no, I one hundred fifty dollars, Jeff. Believe me, it was one of those like. I was like, yeah, I've got this Especially new job. Because... I should do something nice for myself. Click. And like a lot of things that you do, well, you wouldn't know this crap, but a lot of things that people do when they're drunk that they're like, oh, this is a, this is a nice thing that I'm doing for myself. It's, it's, it's afterwards you're like, that's not really that nice. There, there, this there's so much unknowableness of... that I'm just like, I don't get it. Cause honestly, I'm looking at the website right now and it's telling me yeah. that the, the, uh, August box is Spider-Man. That's right. The October box is coming soon, and the December box is a question mark. Yeah. No, they they make it a point to uh, – that's – again, this is a big thing or was a big thing, was very much with, with the loot crates was the idea you didn't know what you were going to get. And they would be that's like, okay, true. here's the theme, and then yeah. – it, It's just – so much of it is just like, you love it. Right, right. No matter what, and and I just because I'm trying to think of like a brand I love that much, and there's not. Mm-hmm. Like there's just not that one that I would be like, sure, sight unseen, whatever. Right. But oh, it's also funny. It's like I'm looking at the past boxes thing on the website, mm-hmm. and I'm also like, I I wouldn't want like any of that. There's yes. nothing in the Marvel's Deadpool box that I would want. Not one thing. <laughs> Not one thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and the, the Civil War box, the, the one in April, again, there's nothing I'd want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially because their issue of Black Panther has such an ugly cover. 
Well, that's the other thing that's kind of amazing is they do the exclusive comics and yeah, they do the, their exclusiveness is usually that the Funko people themselves slap a cover on it. Like the, like imagine the only thing weirder than reading Civil War two, number one is reading it with a cover that's a bunch of bobbleheads. You know, yeah. it's like yeah, that's that's the thing. It's just uh, like okay. So I'm looking back at all the boxes. Uh, April 2015, Marvel's A- Avengers: Age of Ultron. Right. I like the t-shirt. The t-shirt Very... looks great. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the Ant-Man one. There's absolutely nothing. Yeah, that's there. that's hugely skippable. Hugely skippable. The Secret Wars one. All I'm saying is, if you don't like that I'm talking about Bobblehead, you don't have to hang up on me. I disagree, clearly. Goodbye. I do have another question. (laughs) Yes? When you blew your fuse, that didn't like delete everything we'd recorded before, right? No, I, uh, no, because the thing that's great for me is, is we blew the internet. Uh, okay, and, that's and, fine. I was just really concerned that like we'd lost last two hours. No, 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 no. It's it. it my computer was still on, so it was that. Cla- but it was literally that thing. I spent like a minute or two. I you cut out so suddenly. I thought you had accidentally muted yourself with all your videos. No, no, I, I was, I was just, what's really funny is I really just went off on the August bobblehead secret wars thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really just went off. Really? And, and, yeah, I did not realize that you were not there for like a minute. Aww. And I sent you lots of messages. Did you get them? Uh, sort of. I mean, I, via it's Skype. disconnecting. What has happened? Have you killed the internet because I'm making fun of bobbleheads? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that now, of course, when I just reconnected yeah, and called you. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I, so I was, I was looking at the August 2015. Mm-hmm. And if you don't like bobbleheads, that's got to be rough because you get a Thor bobblehead, a Spider-Man bobblehead. The Secret Wars cover is a bobblehead and the t-shirt are bobbleheads. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not into the Funko bobbleheads, August was a bad month for you. Yeah. It's, it's, it was pretty dire, right? Right. So. I mean, you know, at least in October, you get like a classic Marvel villains T-shirt. Honestly, it, I'm into I'm into awesome. Marvel's villains. I'm in, between the Morbius yeah. as a bobblehead, yeah. but you get two Morbius bobbleheads. Oh no, you get a choice. Yeah, there or it's a fifty-fifty split. Yeah, yeah. I'm not quite sure how it breaks down, but yeah, there's there's like a, a variant. Um, and then that, that red skull pin and then the, uh, the little green goblin badge. That's one that I would have been happy with. I got to admit. Um, you but know, then December, you get Guardians of the Galaxy and it's, again, it's just lots of bulb heads. It's yeah. one of these things. I feel that you're buying into two brands with this. Yes, I think so too. Oh, and you love Marvel. Yeah. And, and I think, I think I have erred in that sense. So it'll be really curious to see. Because looking at the February and April ones, they are heavily bobblehead. Yeah. Again, it really does seem to be you're, you have got to really love Funko as well as Marvel for this to work Yeah, out. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I did not realize that that was as strong as it was. It definitely says. Cancel? 
I think so. I I mean, honestly, I mean, that's one of those deals of... Because this know. would suck if you end up like, you know, you feel like you genuinely get maybe realistically like $50 worth of, of stuff you want from $150. Right. Yeah, actually, it looks like I may be screwed because uh, they make it sound like all sales are final, which I think is fascinating. Um, They're waiting for people to get drunk and sign up. Yep, exactly. No, does it really say all sales are final? It does. It does. Oh, uh, shit, can- Jeff. Cancellation policy. All sales are final. Once a payment is successfully submitted, it may not be canceled or refunded. Auto renewal must be turned off five business days prior to next charge date on your account oh, to avoid future it's renewal charges. Right now, Jeff. Yeah, no kidding. Bi-monthly subscription billing cycles begin on the first of the month when a box is scheduled to ship. All annual subscriptions are paid in advance, and changing auto renewal status affects future renewal payments only. Ooh, this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, on the plus side, I feel like you, you have lots of guests for June. Well, yeah, exactly. June and, um, you know, what can I say? What not? Everyone else who wants bobbleheads. Yeah. Uh, and Marvel. Then I think you're you're in luck if you know Jeff Lester. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no, it's like maybe then I, I Spider Man. I mean, Spider Man's obviously gonna have a Spider Man bobblehead. Yep. yep. Uh, and maybe a Mary Jane bob- bobblehead. Yeah, uh, maybe uh, you'll probably get a T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like it might be like a you know a Romita T-shirt or something that you'll enjoy. See I, that Romita cover? It still weirdly draws me. So yeah, no, it's true. It's um. Uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see, considering I've got another five of these. No, um, you signed up for a year and it's, yeah. oh no, it's bi-monthly shit. I thought it was quarterly. No, 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 no. You thought it was quarterly. So you thought I was only getting four or something? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm getting, I'm getting six. So, which is hilarious that I signed uh, okay. up. Well, the, the, uh, probably the October is going to be Doctor Strange because there's the movie coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what's the movie after that? Guardians of the Galaxy, I think. So you'll have Guardians of the Galaxy one before you end. Right. Uh, uh, And Marvel Now might be December. Wow. Marvel's doing another Marvel Now. (laughs) Yeah, they're doing another Marvel Now in in fall. They've had uh, the the promos have featured, um, let's see, Mosaic, the new character, who's definitely not Dead Man or Quantum Leap, even though his gimmick is being Dead Man and Quantum Leap. Yes, totally. I have to say, like, have you have you seen any of the mosaic stuff? The 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 hype for it? Uh, I think I read one article reporting on the hype. That was I'm it. I'm really like Marvel's going all in. They're mm-hmm. doing free comic for Barnes and Noble. Uh, weirdly enough, two months before the comic launches. Yeah, it seems too far ahead. Mm-hmm. But um, but you know, a free comic for Barnes and Noble. If Barnes and Noble was still a thing, that'd be a, a really big deal. As it is, it's just a, qual- a quasi big deal, right? Um, but the character concept is fascinating to me. Everything ab- if it wasn't yeah. the creators who it is, mm-hmm. I would be screaming how bad an idea it is. Who are the creators, and why? Why? I mean, this, this is why it, it, it's not. Both creators are black. Uh. And this is why it gives me more confidence. And also, one of them, uh, the writer Jeffrey Thorne, who wrote for Leverage, and therefore has a a great deal of, if you will, leverage for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Carrie Randolph's the artist, and he's a good artist. But um, the setup for Mosaic is this, listeners: he's a basketball player with an ego, and then he has no body, and he has to possess other people, 
and in the process, find humility. <laughs> there is so much of that that can be read as, here's a successful black man who has to learn his place. Wow. Right? And I'm like, no. <laughs> this is terrible. Mm-hmm. This is like really, really bad. And, you know, it's not going to be that. But there's such potential for that. Yeah. So do you think... I was, I, and especially that Marvel's playing it as like, this is proof that our, our thing about that we're devoted to diversity seems a really weird thing to do when it's this character has no body. Right. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. it's true. That I, does play in very well to that sort of... That great piece that was written about Cyborg, I think, and and even even some of the stuff in Tanahisi Coates, uh, I think, where he talks about the um, the destruction of the black body as being sort of a, a primary drive uh, yeah, it's, for it's American super, culture. Super. Oh, talk about Tanahisi Coates. You did you read the uh, Braver interview about Civil War Two, where he. Uh, said that because people were basically calling him to task for killing off right. uh, Rhodey, and uh, people basically said, "Yeah, uh, Tanya's a coach wrote to us and asked us not to do it, but we decided to do it." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is just like, on one hand, good for you for being honest; on the other hand, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a very smart call for him to say that. Actually, really? you know, yeah, because, because, how do I put it? Because Ta-Nehisi I mean, Coates' Black Panther is, is, is a big seller by Marvel sure, standards. Sure, So I, you I do. That, but it's, it's the part when you say he basically told us not to do it anyway. Well, but that's I, the part I'd like, oh, sure. Mention, mention Coates. I, of course. Well, like he's Marvel's best selling writer, right? Sure. Now. Sure. Although. Probably not. I don't know what issue two sold like. I think issue two like dropped significantly. Mm-hmm. Let me let me look again. Anyway, uh, continue with what you're saying about mosaic for interrupted. Oh, uh, I just wonder. There's it. Honestly, the fact that there's such a strong push for it, that strong a push for an idea that sounds like a uh, honestly sounds like you know would you, a TV show. As I actually want it made. I do half wonder whether or not it's like ABC trying to get some synergy going and yeah, being like, but, this, but, is, I mean, this is going to be a TV show from us, so we want you to... Know, it sounds like a TV show. It sounds like Quantum Leap. It sounds like Quantum Leap. It sounds like Dead Man, which was a reworking of Fugitive. I mean, you know, in 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 some ways, mind you, not, not all of them, because the Fugitive was not dead. But, uh, but yeah, no, it just seems... I, I, and, and in that sense, I, I think that both, uh, Dead Man and Quantum Leap are pretty decent TV ideas. So oh, they're, they're, like, they're both you know. fine ideas. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, like I said, Mosaic has a decent writer mm-hmm. and a decent artist behind it. Yeah. Uh, it's just specifically selling it as a, here is proof that we at Marvel are behind diversity. Um, with that particular gimmick. Mm-hmm. Just, oh, no. Whoa. Like just say seems so um primed to go wrong. Uh by them saying that, you know, or by them cuz for me again, I'm like 
you know, they can't turn around and be like, well, we were told from up above. You know, it's kind of like Spider-Gwen. Like, there's kind of this thing of, well, yeah, you know, Spider-Gwen seemed like an editorial mandate. I like the character, but it also seems like they're very careful not to be like, well, you know, we were told we had to create Spider-Gwen, so we put our best people on it. You know, I, I feel no, like... No, no, that, that's Gwenpool. Yeah, well, there, there you go. I love that um, Marvel's doing the clone conspiracy. Mm-hmm. And they're like, look, at the end of the, the free comic book thing, it's like, look, it's Gwen Stacy. And my first thought was like, yeah, but we've got Gwen Stacy in two other ongoing comics right now. Why should we be shocked that Gwen Stacy's in this one? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and also, is it is it the original Gwen Stacy clone? No, or it's, is a, it a, it's a clone. clone. Well, it's, who fucking gets it? Didn't they kill off the original Gwen, Gwen Stacy clone? Nope. She lived and went off into the sunset, never to be spoken of again. But wait, when did that happen? Uh, Spider Amazing Spider-Man issue 150, sure, I think, when I she says goodbye. That. Did she? I didn't know. Yeah. I, I Was that during the Spider-Clone years? She, she no, I wonder if she came back in the Evolutionary War. Oh, interesting. Uh, she might have come back in the Clone Saga as well. All of the Clone Saga is now in Marvel Unlimited, Jeff. I know, kind of tempting, I'm, right? I'm so tempted. Yeah, I am too. I'm so tempted. You know, if only because I tried to read it in the collections that came mm. out uh, that I got from the library, and just like the Age of Apocalypse collections, I just can't read it. Yeah, like it's so 1990s that my my eyes are just like, nope. It's funny, yeah. Nope. The, the the visual it's vi- the visual challenge is tough for me. There's also just I remember picking books up during that period, and I was just like, uh, Howard Mackey just did not do it for me. You know, it was just that classic. Did Howard Mackey do it for anyone? He well, clearly because he was writing about six books, and some of them were really genuinely popular. You know, I, I mean. So I think I think they did actually do it for someone because I think he was especially if you think of the 90s as being that era where Marvel got some new blood in it and they were kids. You know, it's kind of I I don't necessarily want to diss it heavily, you know, because there is that way that I'm sure that, you know, as we find out whenever we sit down and record a Baxter building, um, you know, like writers that I remember as being enjoyable or who I still see fondly, even though I'm like, ugh, this is, this work is incredibly subpar, if not dramatically hacked out. Like Howard Mackey was like, he, 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 he had a story hook and it just seemed like he very well could have been editorial mandated to not close off that hook, you know? So Reading stuff of his, like, I think he did the, you know, the 90s revival of Ghost Rider, that had a bunch of really, some real solid subplotting hooks. It was just the idea of, like, you picked up the book three years later, and either it hadn't been resolved or it had been spun on its head. Well, or, but, but that's just about the Clone Saga. Like, we know the Clone Saga was supposed to finish significantly earlier. Yes. And was artificially kept going. Right. Um. Actually, the one the Clone Saga that I have read and finished was the six issue series that DeFalco and actually maybe Howard Mackey co wrote uh, with Todd Nauck drawing mm. uh, maybe five years ago, mm-hmm. um, which is based on the original idea for it. Hmm. Uh, and it's fascinating because it's 
it's not meant to read, or maybe it is meant to read and it doesn't, but it reads, it's not meant to read just like a continuous story as much as like five separate issues or six separate issues from within the story. So like mm. there's significant time jumps between the issues. Mm. Um, but even that, the quote unquote original idea, mm-hmm. uh, it's far too complicated. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that in the sense of like, I can't follow it. I mean, in the sense of like, there are multiple you're the clone. No, you're the clone. No, you're the clone. No, you're the clone. No, you're the clone. In six issues. Please, somebody, make that a ringtone, because Graham was so good about saying that in exactly the perfect tone of voice. Uh, I I want so, it as my I, ringtone. I just want everyone to know that when I was doing that, in real life, I was actually pointing and looking in different directions. One could <laughs> actually sort of tell, actually. <laughs> Graham oh, McMillan, Method Podcaster. Exactly. Yeah. Who is the clone, Jeff? Um, but no, it's it's all there, and I'm, I really am kind of tempted to read it. Yeah. Well, I, I'll say this. I'm much more tempted to read that than I am to read The Clone Conspiracy. The Clone Conspiracy. Now, that that is the reconfigured Dead No More, right? Yes. With the hilarious, we never told you the real title, as opposed to, we changed our minds about the story title <laughs> for a story that's coming out six months from now. Because yeah. it's impossible that we just change your mind. We will pretend that we had this title all along and we lied before because we're sneaky. <laughs> it's, it's, I love it. I love that they were like, we didn't tell you because we didn't want you to work it out as opposed to every internet message board. But they're like, so it's clones, right? Like that guy with the jackal head is the jackal, right? And it's clones. And then Marvel's like, it's called the clone conspiracy. He's the jackal. We never, you never get. There's like everyone guessed you guys just admit that you thought Dead No More wasn't the best title for it. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm hilariously disinterested in it, to be perfectly honest. And, and God bless Dan Slott, but can we just admit that maybe he's like run out of ideas for the comic? Well, I, he's definitely in that weird zone of... I feel like he's circling the drain in all seriousness with Spider-Man. Uh, I hope he's leaving soon, let's put it that way. Uh, it would seem like a good... It's, it feels like it's time for someone else to write the book. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I, definitely the stage at where he's at, is, as I told you from reading those first couple of issues where it was, you know, the Batman Incorporated Spider-Man, I definitely found myself being like, there are parts of this that are fun, but I still find myself kind of wishing for the reboot button on it. And I know that they're, he's going to do something else to, to, I, I, I think that slot will sort of get the toys back in the toy box, but even Wait, you, you know that the clone conspiracy will have at least one cliffhanger. Where is Peter Parker a clone? Oh yeah. Right. Probably. Sure. Sure. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's weird that they're going this route. And they're like, anyone can come back from the dead, as opposed to in comics, where anyone can come back from the dead. Right. You know? Who knows who's going to bring Is it going to be Gwen Stacy? I don't know. She's already in, you know, three other books right now. Is it going to be Uncle Ben? Oh, you mean like we saw in Spider-Verse last summer? Right. Like, we've actually done all these shocks already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that in that sense, it sort of reminds me of what Slot was shooting for with Spider-Verse which is we've seen these shocks before, but my goal is to 
pump them all up to a big mega event level. Um, and- well, I mean, Marvel is going all in. It's mm-hmm. getting its own series, Clone Conspiracy. Right. Which is just, I, I don't know if it, again, that's another thing that's super weird about this. They're like, Dead No More, it's a Spider-Man storyline. And now they're like, it's getting its own book and it's running in Spider-Man yeah. and there's going to be tie-in issues. Yeah. Which is either like, oh shit, we need to, you know, get sales up or, you know, somewhere in the middle of planning this, which apparently they've been doing for more than a year, they changed their mind. Uh, maybe, I mean, I, I think, I think there is a little bit of the, oh, the response on this is stronger. Oh, we think this is going to be big or it's one of those deals of, you know, the, the, the big event idea that we were going to, you know, do where, I don't know, the Black Panther becomes white. We've decided to push down the road a couple of years. And so we're going to do, we're, we're going to go with this idea that, you know, that slot pitched for his Spider-Man book, we're going to make be the be be a bigger event. I I, I, honestly, when you said the Black Panther comes by, I, my first thought was, "I am curious." Open brackets, Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. God, I wonder if anyone did do it. I am curious. Open parentheses, Yellow Jacket. Close parentheses. <laughs> that would be kind of great. Oh man, I think you're on something, Graham. On, yeah, I think I think I'm on something. I, well. I, I meant to say on to something. <laughs> no, no, I, but, I think I think you're right the first time. Yeah, probably. So we should wrap this up, Graham. I think we, we should drop. We really should drop this over, up. Yeah. Uh, this has been a curiously underpowered, rambly, but that's why you come here. And I didn't even get to the cat story. Yeah, it's time, listeners. Um, anyway, it's been an interesting episode. I think you'll all agree. What a wonderful journey we've all been on. Wait, what? Is available in many locations. We are on the internet at waitwhatpodcast.com where you'll find show notes for this episode, for all the Baxter buildings, for all the Wait What episodes, and written posts by myself, by Matt Terrell, and by Mr. Jeff Lester. Uh, and all I'm saying is I'm doing a weekly, you guys. Challenge laid down, Terrell. <laughs> oh, dear. And also challenge lead down Leicester. Yeah, totally, totally. It's, I'm, I got it. I got to get back in the game for sure. But we are also available on Tumblr, waywatpod.tumblr.com. We are all on Twitter at waywatpodcast. Jeff is on Twitter at lazybastard at l a z y b e s t i d. Uh, I am on Twitter at graham m at g r a e m. Hang on, I'll try it again. At g r a e m e m. And we are a Patreon supported podcast, which is when Jeff starts talking. Yes, where I want to thank all of our supporters on Patreon who make this all possible. Uh, you know, the Baxter Building, where we talk about Fantastic Four issues, um, almost to everyone's detriment, uh, is directly <laughs> what a result you of people's support. Oh, just there was a recent comment where somebody really was like, I, please let me know when the good stuff I had to quit. Like the people who ta- who've actually tapped out rather than have to read more subpar Fantastic Four issues, I think is kind of <laughs> kind of interesting. So um uh, start coming back up. Depending on who you ask, um I would say the John Byrne run. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably true. I don't know, it's it's kind of part of me is like, hey, you know, if you stuck it out this far, you should at least stick it out for I say the the next episode because i seem to recall the the thomas perez stuff as being fun 
Like honestly, I, we're 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 coming back on a back uh, an upswing again. Yeah, I think there's. Uh, a I would say we're again. heading back to levels of um, probably slightly better than the initial Tomoshon. Mm-hmm. Oh, I I think so. Uh, yeah, but we're not really up uh, up at the Goodwin levels yet, which I think we both really liked. Yes, exactly. The Goodwin stuff was all too horribly short, but uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> with. The Baxter building would not exist without the support of the fine people on Patreon. Please don't blame them for that. Blame Roy Thomas. Uh, <laughs> that seems entirely fair. Our special thanks to the kind crew at American Ninth Art Studios for the continuing support of this podcast. Uh, and continuing special thanks to Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, who is yet to subjugate us all. Or It's only she? a matter of time. Exactly. I think she has, and we just don't know it. So... Uh, thanks, Matrix. <laughs> Is that what's going on? Are we in the Matrix? Of course, Graham. Did you know the Empress Audrey Matrix? Yeah, the Empress Audrey. Yeah, the 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 Meowtrix. Uh, oh, Jeff. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Graham. Thanks, everyone. Um, everyone, we're off next week. Yes. And then we're back for a while, but. I'm just going to say this right now. Jeff and I are literally about to start talking about uh, the recording of the July episodes. I'm just going to throw out there that July is going to be a slightly weird month because, A, uh, there is San Diego. Yes. Which is going to throw out uh, uh, Spanner Works. However, San Diego is happening on the same weekend that Jeff is traveling. That's right. So it's a spanner that already would have been in the works. Well, except that spanner, I was traveling to Portland. There was a chance we could have recorded something live. So That's true. Although, maybe that will still happen. Who knows? It's <laughs> July is going to be a weird one, people. I'm just going to throw that yeah, out there right exactly, now. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so we're going to be back in two weeks. Then we're probably going to be able to tell you what is going on with July. July is just going to be slightly weird for many reasons. Uh, Jeff traveling... My traveling San Diego, other reasons that I'm sure will bore you with closer to the time. Yeah. Stay tuned. It's what we're going to say. Indeed. Indeed. Uh, but we will do our best to, to deliver the, the level of weight, what quality that you've grown accustomed to. And then apologize for it. <laughs> many times. Many, many times. So, uh, with that in mind, people, we're sorry. We love you. Bye! <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs>